There we go. Okay. So, along with being faithful, inspired, and holy, I am sure, these evangelists, especially Luke and John, would make great set designers. Steven Spielberg has nothing on them. And were they ever right for their times? I got to tell you, I'm only sorry that we don't have the video. In the times these folks were writing narrative was the primary form of communication. Word of mouth, fantastic stories, with a limited broad understanding of science, dark and foreboding nights, illumined only by stars and heavenly bodies, candles maybe when you could afford them, outdoor fires to keep you warm and safe, darkness feared, Romans feared, oppression, poverty, illness, and a mortality rate for infants from 30 to 40 percent, with a life expectancy of somewhere in the early 50s, if you were lucky. It was a scary time, a mysterious time in which these people wrote. They were constantly living in fear or anticipation of the next earthquake, the next eclipse, the next supernovae, of what they had, which they had no idea how they worked, of storms and drought and pestilence. And for many, in one way or another, none of this was seen as natural or even political occurrences, but as indications, in some way, of God's pleasure, displeasure, anger, judgment, wrath, or reward. I just some God. Think Charleston Heston. For the Hebrews, for the Jews, this was a running story of thousands of years. The Torah or the Old Testament is about everything God. God was an active director and participant directly or indirectly in everything. From Adam and Eve to Methuselah to Noah and Sarah to Abraham and Rebekah to Isaac, Moses, Boaz, Ruth and Naomi, Saul, David, Solomon and his 700 wives and 300 concubines, it was still all about God. Stories about people of God, lives lived in anticipation above degrees of faithfulness to God, for better or for worse, surrounded by wars, invasions, fighting, prophets, kings, other gods, religions, idols, constantly judged and tested by the law, judged by the traditions and tested by the prescribed measures of faithfulness. It was a time where the language was this close from earth to God with not much in between. And Luke, as we noted last week, is speaking to the Jews from within and without contradiction to the long history they know and understand. Unlike some others, he does not see Jesus as a fork in the road from Judaism, rather as a continuation of the story they have known for millennia. And he frames and designs, Luke 
frames and designs his sets and his narratives to convince, to persuade, to exhort others to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. This is Luke's stated purpose. That's it. To let people know that forgiveness and life everlasting is available to all who call on Jesus, that Jesus will return, and that when he does, the promises of the covenant of God and Moses and Israel will be kept, and that the end times are not at hand, but the kingdom of God is at hand. It is here now. And it is our mission to carry the news and the wonders of Jesus and all he had done to the ends of the earth. We talked about this last week. This is not about the end times, but about witnessing to the ends of the earth. Now Luke saw no conflict. And this Greek was on fire. And his goals were clear. To ignite others in this good news, this wondrous gospel, this living possibility available to all for an understanding of their nature, their God-given nature to be children of God, father, mother, to them all through the witness and death and resurrection of Jesus and the gift of the Spirit. Luke is a wind in himself. And he brings the story of Pentecost in the setting of those gathered today, as I said before, on the day of the Jewish celebration of Shavuot, the Jewish harvest festival which commemorates God's giving of the Ten Commandments to Moses at Mount Sinai 50 days after the Exodus. Biblically, within the tradition of the faithful Jewish community and using the ancient prophet Joel to further support his witness to the promise of Jesus the Messiah, and the prophecy that came and proclaimed before him, the miracle of languages take place. Xenolalia or xenoglossy, the ability to suddenly speak in a language that is not native nor which you have studied. It is different from glossolalia, the speaking in tongues, a language of the Spirit to reveal one another in special outbursts that the Spirit is present. These are different. Their impact is the same. A ball of confusion for many gathered. So the Spirit in this narrative of Luke has entered the scene and turned everything upside down or perhaps right side up. He's careful, though, this Luke, about how he describes this. He's a good writer. Luke does not describe the Spirit as the wind or even as the fire. He carefully states, like a strong wind, a gale force was suddenly heard. And then, like a wild fire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. It must have been quite a day. It sounds like any day in New York City standing on the corner of 72nd Street and 1st Avenue. (laughs) And when some in that gathering became so confused by all of this commotion and were upset at their loss to explain any of it, they charged that those speaking in the foreign languages had to be drunk. Ah, Luke. 
set the stage. It's now ready for the monologue. And Luke describes Peter as stepping up into the midst of all that has been described and in high oratorical, passionate fashion pronounces the message, preaching the words in powerful and dramatic ways, the rising action to the climax. So much so that on that day, thousands came to believe that the mission of the church is off and running and they were going to be a part of it. So not only can Luke design a set and write the narrative, but he's pretty good at casting the parts as well. But more than a scene or a sequel or a feature-length movie of its own, Luke's narrative continues the story of God in the lives of those God has created. God, in fact, had so filled the room and the disciples with such spirit that there was no choice but to tell the story. And it was told, powerfully so. There was no choice, no resistance, so much so that even they did things they knew not how they did, such as speaking in these languages. It came out. What came out was God and the Spirit. Make no mistake, something other was in charge. I have to tell you, this is one evangelist on a Sunday morning I would watch on television. Although I would much rather be there in person. There is no science today that fills the gap for what occurred in this speaking of languages. There is no theory or explanation that wasn't available to them at that time to explain it that is available to us today. However, there has, <clears throat> there, excuse me, <clears throat> there has been a lot of knowledge, scientific and otherwise, accumulated in the years since. And so, rather than simply accept God and the power of God in our days, as they did more or less in theirs, instead of seeing the potential and the reality of miracles occurring today on a regular basis, the change of heart and the new spirit that moves others to proclaim the mystery of God. Instead of seeing that and embracing that, we start out as skeptical and dismissive and attribute outcomes through the filter of the great knowledge and skills we now possess, along with the science upon which we have unraveled the many mysteries and will surely unravel all those that are left. In other words, we center our understanding around us, not God, but around our knowledge, our experience, our explanations, and our ability to find the answers, our arrogance and hubris and fear, for it is fear of letting go into God that fuels such things. But still, often in spite of ourselves, and our own carefully constructed barriers, there are times when we are touched, stopped in our tracks, and in fact filled with fire and wind and breath. Things that happen that cannot be explained or contained and need to be spoken and often motivate us to action if we are open to such upheaval. At Christmas time, you may remember, here in this sanctuary, Christian 
and Monica filled this space with a performance of Amal and the Night Visitors. Remember that? As the show progressed and the wise men completed their stay and moved on, following the forgiveness and the conversion of Amal's mother for having taken some of the gifts for the baby Jesus from the wise men so she would have something for her son, for they were poor. Somewhere in that, I was totally caught up, lifted in a way that I could not explain then or describe or explain now, other than to say I appreciated anew the narratives and the stories. And I appreciated the way that they spoke to something other than this. Stories which I admit I too often refer to as myths or myth-like, not accurate, and the cause of so much confusion, pain, hypocrisy, and contradiction, and more in religion. Somewhere in that performance, the fire began to burn in me. Some wind was in the room. Some witness and expression placed into motion. Enough so that today, seven months later, I tell the story, still touched and moved into action of witness, hoping you will remember times when such has happened to you. So that today, in the midst of whatever may go on in your lives, you too can remember how loved and embraced and part of this story you are. Yes, I still think we get too caught up in literal translations. And yes, that is a big problem in our world to knowing God. I still think we want to argue too scientifically the things we cannot explain. I still think religion too often feeds this confusion through misrepresentation and fear of changing for reasons that often sadden me. And yes, I think we can do more to overcome obstacles, more to let God in in ways that fills us, sets us on fire, moves us away from biblical sound bites to the real meaning of God in our lives, revealing to one another how we are touched by God. Religion and spirituality, sometimes I think, has become too much of a personal possession. We mistake the burning desire inside for something private to be held tightly and closely rather than as a gift to be shared. We walk around believing one thing and saying and doing another for fear of. It's all mixed up. So much so that we sometimes see others as drunk in some way rather than as possibly prophets in our lives. Last week, our homeless outreach program presented a show in collaboration with Theater of the Oppressed called Helter Shelter about the corruption and problems extant in the shelter system in New York City. It was a fine effort by many with an important message. Everyone who was involved is to be congratulated. Still, I couldn't help think that yes, there are problems in the system. But there are also people who work hard and long, professionals who care deeply for others, and programs helping many who we would never know were helped by such things, unless we raised them up too. As I sat there, the fire began to burn in me, not just for the injustice that was being presented, surely for that, 
but also to be the voice of the so many who really try to help, who believe, who are part of agencies and other churches and faith traditions in places like this that every day follow their heart and their calling, their spirit to help others make other lives better, to help people find their way to wholeness and in the process find our own way to wholeness. Yes, to help others and ourselves to find a spiritual awakening and a renewal to the ends of this earth regardless of the cost, the sacrifice, whether personal or institutional. Look, it's easy to tear down, to criticize, to demand scientific explanations, proof and more. That's easy. We live in a world that is so often filled with brokenness and danger that we retreat into a state of defensiveness, protection, secrecy, and privacy that stifles that inside of us which needs to grow. Pentecost, Shavuot, Jews, Christians, Muslims, all faith, all traditions. Put the fear down. Let go of the need to explain and defend. Open arms and hearts to the arms and hearts of others. Let passion and breath burn and disperse the enmity so that our faces can be burnished and glowing like the face of Moses after he entered into the presence of God, filled with the Spirit and carrying the call to bring this world to a different place, to the ends of the earth, with the good news of the love of God and all of us. The stage, my sisters and brothers, was set long ago. The cast awaits us to join them, for this is truly the show that travels to the ends of the earth. The peace train waiting for all of us to board. Amen.